With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am Jake Kokorowski, senior writer at BadgerBlitz.com. Of course, you're home for everything on the basketball court, on the football field, and on the recruiting trail. And thank you all for making time this week early start to the weekend. It's Friday, late Friday afternoon. We're doing this podcast right now. You're going to hear in a little bit from Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity, our, one of my good friends in the media business, in the sports reporting world, talking about Nebraska and what to expect from Scott Frost's program. I will say that uh, this is it's basically from our YouTube channel too. So you'll hear a little bit of that. Uh, we want you guys to subscribe, not just to this podcast, but also we're kind of doing some cross stream in here and you'll hear uh, his thoughts on Nebraska. You'll also get my keys of the game coming up a little bit later, but first let's, let's dive into this new commitment, right? Uh, BadgerBlitz.com talked to new 2022 defensive end commit Tristan Monday on Thursday. So last night, and we had a good chat with him, the article is up on BadgerBlitz.com for the full details. But I wanted to give a couple of, of snippets from that interview, from the audio. He agreed to uh, let's play some of the audio from that interview that I had. And you'll hear that coming up uh, just a minute or so. Real quick things about Monday, looking at his, what he has so far. And, you know, he obviously officially visited Wisconsin this past weekend, uh, taking in the Wisconsin Northwestern game. Wisconsin, of course, won 35 to seven over the Wildcats. And he's listed at 6'4, uh, 255 pounds, uh, is what he told me yesterday. And they want him to bulk up to about 270 pounds on the defensive line. He was in from, he essentially took a red eye, a midnight flight from Arizona to Madison, got in before the game, and then. He stayed until Monday morning. He is a three-star recruit, a 5.6 rating according to Rivals, the number 43 strong side defensive end in the nation for this 2022 class. And then looking, obviously, offers from Arizona. We'll get into that situation and, and him flipping from Wisconsin, from Arizona to Wisconsin in a little bit. But he also had offers from Baylor, Colorado, Florida State, and Iowa State. So there was Power 5 interest in the Scottsdale, Arizona native. So I asked Tristan yesterday, just what were his reasons for community in Wisconsin? And he gave me a pretty succinct response. I'll put it simple. It's hard to turn down the number one defense in the country. Monday's host for his official visit was Wisconsin redshirt freshman outside linebacker, Aaron Witt. And when asked about what Witt showed him or what they discussed about, Monday talked about the defense. Uh, the main thing we talked about was how you have to have a bit of a meanness to play on this defense, and that's what really got me excited because that's how I play. So it just added on to how I fit in and how much I'm going to enjoy playing for this program. Now, BadgerBlitz.com asked Monday just about his relationship with 
defensive line coach Ross Kalaji, who will be his position coach when he gets to Wisconsin next summer. And he described the process by which they've talked and, and how that relationship has developed. So he was the one that originally reached out to me in the time before my, even before my offer and throughout the recruiting process until I did get my offer and we made the plan to come up there. He always wanted me to be confident with my decision and where I wanted to go. And I think the thing that really meant the most to me was how much he cared about more than just football and me on a personal level. Monday became the 12th verbal commit of this 2022 class for Wisconsin. With that, however, he was previously an Arizona commit, giving his verbal pledge back in March of 2021. He described the the hardest part of decommitting from the Pac-12 program. I think the hardest thing about it was having to talk to my uh, old U of A coaches and give them the news that I was decommitting. That's always tough for any player because you've already built a relationship with those coaches, but I told him it was just a better situation all around for me to come to Wisconsin. Of course, for more with our talk with Monday, be sure to check out badgerblitz.com. It's on our front page right now. So uh, check that out. Uh, There'll be more recruiting news coming up, obviously leading up to the early signing period. Be sure to check out badgerblitz.com for more for all the recruiting notes and analysis breakdowns rumblings that's what we're here for now let's turn our attention to wisconsin and nebraska of course a mid-afternoon matinee inside camp Randall stadium on saturday afternoon 2 30 p.m central time kickoff on abc before i get more into that we're going to play my chat with Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity, good friend of mine who covers the Nebraska Cornhuskers. You can hear this on, watch this too, on our YouTube channel. our cross-promotion right here. Here is the preview of Wisconsin-Nebraska, and I'll come back. I'll give my three keys to the game uh, along with a prediction here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wisconsin and Nebraska, of course, uh, battle for the Freedom Trophy coming up on Saturday. Let's go quick basics on this uh, just uh, as, a, as a frame here. Saturday, November 20th, 2.30 p.m. Central Time, Camp Randall Stadium. Capacity is 80,321. How to watch ABC, how to listen, Badger Sports Network. And, of course, right now the odds, according to the Action Network, Wisconsin's a 10-point favorite, which, for those that don't know, Nebraska has not lost a game by more than nine points in 20. 20- 21, which makes it quite the intriguing matchup. And to help us dissect everything, we got Derek Peterson on, uh, one of my good friends. Derek, I know I talked to you about, uh, I, I gushed about you just a couple seconds ago. Obviously, writer at large, I think is the way you put it, uh, the podcast host for Hale Varsity. You do a column each week. And how are you doing, my friend? Good seeing you. 
It's good to see you too. I'm wonderful. Um, I'm out in Chicago now. That's why I'm just a writer at large for Hill Varsity. And I actually just realized as you were introducing me, I'm new to the Chicago area. So I don't know if this Cubs hat is going to offend anybody in, in Wisconsin. I apologize. <laughs> um, I sort of w was an adopted Cub. My wife's family in Chicago is all Cubs. And then uh, when I when I moved to Chicago, I was like, you have to pick the Cubs. I was like, <laughs> all right, okay. I don't really watch baseball, but I got I got the hat for my sister-in-law, and I really like it. So I'm good. It's uh, winter is here, and I'm happy. Excellent. And it's good having you back on. And we've talked, like I said, for, for Hale Varsity's podcast in years past. We've we've done a bunch of things. And, and looking at Nebraska right now, they're 3-7, and 1-6 and six in the Big Ten. I mentioned it before. They haven't lost the game by more than 10 points this season, just – in, in a nutshell, just how frustrating has it been for Scott Frost's program to, to be so close at times where you're playing close to Oklahoma and Michigan State and Ohio State and Michigan, all ranked in the college football playoff, and yet no wins in, you know, in that win column coming to fruition. Yeah, I mean, in, in a span of uh, four weeks, they played three teams that, are, that, are, that were in the top ten a week ago. Um, Oklahoma just fell out. But they played Oklahoma close. They played Michigan State close. They played Michigan close. Um, and until the Ohio State game, every single loss this year, each of their first six losses were all by one possession or less, eight points or less. And then the, the Ohio State game broke that streak, which people were excited about, I guess, because that's the point where they're at. Um, Nebraska lost by nine, so it technically wasn't a one-score game anymore. Um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's kind of the, the tale of the tape with them is they've been good enough to be in every game that they've played. Um, but you look at losses to like Illinois, um, you lose to Purdue, um, you lose to Minnesota. Now Purdue's not a bad team, and Minnesota is, is a weird team. Um, but like really, the loss to Illinois, it, it, you 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 look bad in the first week of your season, and then you play Ohio State and you hold them to twenty six points, and you look good. And it's like, okay, well, this Nebraska team knows how to do stuff on offense. It knows how to. You know, schematically, I've been saying this for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and sort of been a, a Scott Frost defender a little bit, um, which is weird to be at that place. Um, <laughs> but like I've been saying, like the scheme works. The problem is they play up and down to the level of their competition and their execution is lacking in a lot of areas. Um, and so, you know, I think we'll probably get into the defense a little bit. Their defense has been really good. Agent Martinez, as Wisconsin fans, I'm sure know, um, is, is, is sort of a, a, a tough guy to handle. Um, but, you know, that's been Nebraska under Scott Frost as they've been good enough to be in these games and been good enough to, to scare some folks, um, at least for a little bit or make people a little, a little antsy, but not good enough to close the deal. And, and, you know, one of the things I looked at early in the season, they haven't been able to score, uh, when the game is close in the last four minutes, they're just not able to, to sort of get over that last hump. And, and a lot of it is execution. A lot of it is mental mistakes. Um, and I think that's why, you know, four assistant coaches were fired this week. That's why there was a lot of talk about, or last week, excuse me. That's why there was a lot of talk about Scott Frost not returning for 22. Um, it just remains the the little things with them. I was like, with You mentioned the four assistants being dismissed, you know, Scott Frost announcing that last week, just who's going to replace them? And just, do you think it's going to light a fire underneath this offense that is already potent where it's averaging over 459 yards per contest, but and though it hasn't gone over, you know, it's not averaging 30 points per game. It's still potent putting up yards. What can, what was the reasoning behind it? And just what can that do for this offense at this point in the year? 
Well, Frost said the reasoning was he, he, he just need to inject some new ideas. Um, and, and one of the phrases that he used was we can't keep doing the same things and expect different results, which is a whole different can of worms that we could get into um, for, for various <laughs> reasons. I won't bore anybody with the sort of minutia about Nebraska. But like, um, I, I think the only name that maybe people that aren't crazy familiar with the Nebraska program will recognize is Ron Brown. He's going to be handling running backs. Everybody that is, that is now filling in spots as, as, as offensive assistants, they were analysts or, or helpers on Frost staff before they weren't full-time assistants. It doesn't sound like any of them are going to um, – well, how should I say that? It doesn't sound like any of them are favorites to, to get a full-time job after this. And so – you know, you ask like, what kind of effect does that have on Nebraska's offense? That's really my biggest question with this Wisconsin game is, you know, we generally know what Wisconsin wants to do offensively when it has the ball. We generally know that Nebraska has got a pretty good defense. And so that when, when Wisconsin has the ball, it's going to be a lot of strength on strength. Um, the big question coming in was when Nebraska has the ball offensively, what does it look like against what I think and what the numbers bear out is the best defense in college football. Um, now you add in the, the element of, well, Adrian Martinez just lost the guy that recruited him and the guy that has coached him for the last four years. The guy he's really close to the same thing happened in the running back room. The running backs lost their coach. The wide receivers lost their coach. The offensive line lost their coach. The only guys that still have their guy are the guys in the tight end room. And so, you know, you, you make a change in season and, and you sort of wonder, okay, if if there was a bad culture, a bad vibe around the locker room, around meeting rooms and things like that, usually when a coach goes, there's like a boon immediately after. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case because I think most of these players, they were all really close with their position coaches. Uh, they really liked their position coaches. And, you know, as, as I've said, schematically, the stuff that they have done has worked to a degree. It just hasn't produced points because they get into the red zone where you have to execute and it's short circuits where they were early in the season afraid to throw the ball in the red zone. Um, and so what has happened with Nebraska a ton is they've been able to move the ball down the field and then they get into the red zone and things tighten up and windows shrink and all of a sudden it's, okay, well, shoot, we have to kick a field goal. But wait, we don't have a good field goal kicker. Um, so like with them, what what I guess what's what's going to be the, the mood for them when they open the game against Wisconsin? For Nebraska's first possession on offense – if they go three and out, what happens to their to their mentality? What happens to the tone? What does it look like to start? That's the thing that I'm most curious about because, like, you know, what's going to happen on the other side of the ball? You can you can not easily because nothing is ever easy to predict in college football, but you can kind of sense where it, where it's going to go. But offensively, when Nebraska has the ball, what's it going to be able to do against? Wisconsin's defense and how much of, of this is, is going to be new for some of these guys in new positions with new people talking to them. I'm just, that's the thing that's, that's the most interesting to me. It's always interesting when you make a coaching change mid season. Um, and you know, Nebraska is going to have to figure it out. Now, fortunately they had a bye week and they did it early in the bye week to sort of iron out some things. Um, but, but I am really curious, like if Wisconsin's defense punches them off the field on the first possession pretty quickly, what what happens from then on out? Right, and that's where you know taking a look at like real quick. And I mentioned a couple of the stats for for Nebraska's offense. You know, twenty eight point six points per game, one hundred ninety four point four yards 
rushing uh, per contest. You know that they haven't had over 140 since I think that 427 yard effort against Northwestern about four weeks ago. Passing yards, almost 265 per contest. They're converting almost nearly 41% of their third downs. They have allowed 27 sacks this season, almost three per game. Wisconsin comes in with 30, so three per contest, and they have coughed up the ball 14 times. Eight interceptions, six fumbles lost. I guess with this offense then, looking at that, uh, maybe just looking at Adrian Martinez, where is he, he, you know, we talked about just what he can do against Wisconsin. He had 384 yards passing as a freshman in 2018. In 2019, he had 220 yards through the air, had another 89. If it wasn't for the sack yardage, he would have had over 100, I think 130 yards on nearly eight yards per per attempt. Uh, where have you seen him evolve this year? But where has, has he in the offense, you mentioned the red zone, but where has maybe he still struggled in? Yeah, so the numbers as you're listing them out, like it, it reads to me as, as somebody that has seen the, the running back room up close and the offensive line up close. Everything that they do is Adrian Martinez centric. Everything that they get is from Adrian Martinez because you talk about the rushing numbers, the running back room is a mess right now. Um, their starter is hurt. He's banged up. They lost a guy to the transfer portal this week. There's another guy that, that – I think should be getting used more that hasn't been and is probably leaving the program. Um, there, it's just a, it's just been a mess. And you talk about the sacks; um, they've had a really, really tough time protecting Adrian, and that goes sort of across the board. Um, really, Cam Jurgens has been the only one that's had a, a serviceable, a passable year. Their tackles have really struggled, but they're they're young and they're going against really good big 10 edge rushers, but they've still struggled. Um, everything is, is just all, it's all on Adrian's shoulders. It's all to move the ball down the field to score. It's all gotta be Adrian doing great things. And at times this season, you've seen Adrian do great things. And there was a stat that the that pick six previews tweeted this week that Nebraska and Ohio state are the only two teams in the country that are top 10 in explosive plays offensively and explosive plays limited defensively. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what it is. Cause Adrian is creating all of those. Um, so like we have seen him be better throwing down the field. We've also seen him miss throwing down the field. Um, we've seen him be better in terms of his decision-making, you know, before I can't remember, I think it was the Minnesota game where they had a ton of, a ton of issues. It was either Minnesota or Purdue where they turned it over a bunch, but before that game, Turnovers weren't really an issue for him. Fumbles weren't really an issue for him. Um, and that was like the biggest area improvement for them coming into the season. They wanted him to limit the turnovers. They wanted him to be more protective of the football. And, you know, through the start, he had done those things. It's just, you know, it there is there's so much pressure on him and there's so much offensive burden on his shoulders that sometimes um, it's a little too much. And he tries to, you know, he reverts back to what he was doing junior and sophomore year where he's trying to have the 15 point play because he knows they need it. Right. Um, and that's, that's what's gotten him in trouble in his career. And that's, what's gotten him in trouble again this season. So it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of the same, which is, which is wild because they have better playmakers at skill positions, um, particularly at wide receiver. And they have been a, a more explosive offense. Um, but it, it just remains their their inability to consistently protect him and their inability to, to get anything from the traditional run game with running backs has been a problem once again.
Now, looking at the defense for Nebraska, you know, Lowen again, 20.9 points per contest, 132.5 on the ground. On only They're only allowing 3.7 yards per carry, so under four yards per touch there. They, they have allowed, you know, some yards through the air, 230.6. For Ohio State, that was 405 uh, in the last game in Lincoln a couple weeks ago. They have given up 38.5% of uh, on third down conversions. Only 17 sacks this year, about 1.7. Uh, they have created 12 turnovers. Ten of those have come through interceptions. Uh, what has led to, in your eyes, Derek, just the ability for Nebraska to, you know, play tight and, you know, they've, they allowed what, 23 points to, was it Nebraska or not to to Nebraska, but to Oklahoma, was it Michigan state? And then also 26 points to Ohio state this past week. And what's led to some of the changes, but where are still some areas, like I said, I've talked about offensive concerns. What are some defensive concerns as well? Yeah. So some of the, some of the low scoring games, so they hold Oklahoma to 23 points. Um, that was when Spencer Rattler was still a quarterback for Oklahoma. They were still going through some of their stuff. It was a good defensive performance from them. Um, but it was also an offensive game plan for Nebraska where they wanted to limit possessions. So the, the numbers were a little deflated because of that Michigan state, the Spartans had 14 yards of offense on 15 plays in the second half. They got punched out three and out on all, on all five of their second half possessions. That was a, that was one of the best defensive performances in a half that I've seen, and Nebraska still lost the game in overtime. <laughs> um, Michigan game, they hold them under, I think it was 32 points Michigan yep. got, um, and they got late. And then Ohio State, they hold them to 26. Um, Nebraska's defense has has really been interesting if you look – because like Nebraska's – off, it's exactly like Nebraska's offense, actually, because if you look at Nebraska's offense on paper, you're like, hey, this is a really good unit. And then you watch them play, and you're like, what? Nebraska's defense is the opposite. There's not there's not any like number that you point to except for points that says this is an elite defense. And then you watch them play and yeah, you can throw the ball on them and and yeah, you'll be able to run the ball on them and they're not going to generate a ton of sacks, they're not going to generate a ton of tackles for loss. You just can't score on them. It's just tough to score on them. They make it tough. Um they you know, it's it they and it'll probably be different without Jojo Doman cuz he's a big piece and and he's not going to play the last two games of the season as he's having surgery. Um, but I think Eric Chenander, their defensive coordinator and, and the defensive coaching staff over there, they've done a really good job of just building depth and, and building um, sort of a, a style of play and a culture of play on the defensive side of the ball. That's just, we're just going to attack the football. And if we got all 11 guys attacking the football, if one guy like misses a tackle and makes a mistake, it's not going to be something that kills us because we've got 10 other guys there. And it sounds simple, but it's really worked for them defensively. And and I think the biggest thing with them is, is just everybody on that side of the ball has just gotten better. The guys have just gotten better in their years under Chenander. Um, and this is one of the most experienced defenses that Nebraska is probably ever going to have just because of the COVID rule. That plays a, a, a big benefit. That's a big benefit for them. Um, they've got they had a ton of super seniors returning. Um They've got a really good cornerback in Cam Taylor Britt. And then I think in their front seven, they've just been sturdy. Um, and so, like I said, yeah, like, you know, the, the numbers aren't going to jump off the page when you look at them on defense. But then when you see them play, um, you see the the athleticism that they have at the linebacker level. And Ben Stilley's been really good on the defensive line for them, just consistent. Um, you know, consistency is is the big thing with them is, is they just continue to, to just do things well enough um that they're just not gonna they're just not gonna give up a ton of points and there's been a couple of issues a couple of problem spots that they've had in games this year they were really bad against illinois 
Um, but from that point on, um, you know, they've just they've just been solid. And you know, it's not it's not Wisconsin level elite, and and I wouldn't call them an elite defense, but I still I would call them one of the twenty five best defenses in the country. Um, just having having seen what I've seen from them. And then two more quick things before I let you go, Derek. In your eyes, what are your keys for Nebraska to, in an attempt to pull off an upset uh, and, a, and a victory in Camp Randall Stadium and, and bring back the Freedom Trophy to Lincoln for the first time ever? Yeah, it's it's kind of what I talked about when we were on the offensive side of the ball. They've got to start well. Um, everything that's that's working sort of against them. Um, I can't say it enough. Wisconsin's defense is awesome. <laughs> um, I really enjoy watching them play defense. <laughs> that that unit is really good. And, you know, you have to bring your A game when you play them. Um, and so I think for Nebraska, when you when you factor in new assistance on, on the offensive side of the ball and you factor in sort of the, the adversity that they've gone through, they've got to be able to start fast. If if their first two possessions are are quick three and out are quick, like, you know, four or five play possessions. You get punched off the field and Wisconsin's able to control the ball. Um, Braylon Allen is awesome. If they're able to run him and I would assume that they're going to try to limit Nebraska's offensive possessions and, and try to, to slow the game down. Um, you know, Nebraska has to have a, a quick start offensively and they have to be able to get something out of their first two possessions. And if, you know, if, if it's end of the first quarter, you know, close to the end of the first quarter and Nebraska has nothing on the board, it's, it's going to be a problem. And then finally, game prediction. Who you got and, uh, you know, and, and the reason why? Well, I think Wisconsin wins because I think Wisconsin's a better football team. Um, you know, generally this game comes down to running back and defense and Wisconsin has the better running back and Wisconsin has the better defense. Um, I don't have a score for you, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought but I, did. I, I think I think Wisconsin will win. Um, I think Nebraska will keep it close, just because I think, you know, I don't think that this is going to be a game where there's a ton of points. You know, maybe it's like 34-7 or whatever the score was when Wisconsin played Northwestern last week. Maybe it's like that um, if things go sideways in the first quarter. I don't necessarily think that'll be the case, but I still think Wisconsin's going to beat Nebraska. Um, I think defensively losing Jojo Dome is going to hurt. And then I think, you know, with, with what Wisconsin has going on they're they're just trending in a really good direction right now. And I, I, I made a joke earlier in the week. I was like, Wisconsin in the middle of November is top 15 in the country and they've ripped off a bunch of wins in a row. So this team is freaking inevitable. It's not a good time to play Wisconsin <laughs> if you're Nebraska. So that's, that's kind of what factors into it. I love the Marvel reference. It's amazing. My friend, um, and real before I let you go, what else can we expect from Hale varsity coming up this week? Yeah, so uh, Steve and Aaron are going to be in, in Madison. I'll be at the game. I'll be watching the game um, in the stands, but uh, I'll have a column Sunday afternoon, and then obviously the uh, the usual coverage from, from Hale Varsity will, will all take place on HaleVarsity.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are back on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. Thank you again for tuning in. And uh, this is Jake Kokorowski, senior writer, once again, giving our three keys to the game. We'll make this quick and easy. You'll read this, by the way, a little bit of a preview in our pre-snap read. We give three keys to the win a potential Wisconsin win, and then looking at that, our staff predictions. But let's get to my three keys for a Wisconsin win, and that's first one starts off pretty easy. That would be to contain quarterback Adrian Martinez. You look at him, uh, completed 61.3% of his passes this year for 2,512 yards, 13 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, leads the Huskers in rushing, 502 yards on 4 yards per carry, 12 additional rushing scores. Uh you're also looking at him. I mean, in the past two games against Wisconsin, he's averaged 302 passing yards uh, per game and over 70 yards rushing per contest. Both of them have been Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin wins for that matter. But even as a true freshman, threw for 384 yards in 2018. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how Wisconsin contains him. The one thing, I mean, I think the offense revolves around, you heard from Derek, the offense revolves around Martinez and just what he can do. In my eyes, Wisconsin has the ability to contain him with that defense and even with the problems that he has and matchups and being able to extend plays and whatnot. I think for Wisconsin, the, the Nebraska has allowed 27 sacks in 10 games. Wisconsin has 30 sacks so far through 10 contests. So I think Wisconsin and Nick Herbig and Leo Chanel, who have combined for, you're looking at, uh, you know, 13 and a half sacks so far this season. I think they're going to have an opportunity to get in the line of, behind the line of scrimmage and make plays. The thing is, though, it's going to be when that happens, they have to come through and make those plays. They can't let Martinez extend plays. They can't let him move the chains via a scramble. They have to, Wisconsin have to be very gap sound and assignment sound in that. But that will be a key to watch, especially downfield with the receiving game. Wisconsin will have to have its defensive backs keep eye discipline keep trailing receivers and and not have their eye discipline fail them. So that's going to be big. That's my first key. Second one, establish assertiveness or dominance at the line of scrimmage, right? Wisconsin is averaging over 227 yards per game. One of the top 15 teams in the nation on that on nearly five yards per carry. Nebraska has actually been pretty good against the run. They've allowed only about 132.5, 132.5 per contest on less than four yards per carry, 3.7 yards per attempt there. They will have to contend and, you know, with Braylon Allen, obviously true freshman tailback for Wisconsin, looking for a seventh straight 100 yard effort this weekend leads the team with 834 yards on 7.1 yards per carry with nine rushing touchdowns too. Uh, I think, you know, for Wisconsin, it really comes down to establishing dominance of the line of scrimmage in the run game, but also pass game. Nebraska's only 
had 17 sacks. They've only registered 17 sacks this season. Wisconsin has only given up 14 and only four in the past six contests. That'll be something to watch. And if Graham Mertz can cook, the offensive balance and complementary nature of that unit, I think will continue this week. Nebraska does have 10 interceptions, so that's going to be key there uh, in terms of limiting takeaways through the air from Nebraska. Last one, I will say Wisconsin needs to uh, capitalize on all opportunities and put away the game when it op- when it presents itself. Right now, Nebraska, their losses, they have not lost by more than 10 points. I'm predicting a 10-point victory for Wisconsin. I'm going to say 30-20 for this contest based off of the nature of just how Nebraska has been able to have so much production on, on for yardage and I think but I think Wisconsin still puts them away with a 30 to 20 win but whether it's a takeaway a sudden change opportunity for Wisconsin to get points off of turnovers they have to capitalize when there is when you're dealing with other issues uh when it comes to you getting in the red zone in general just touchdowns not field goals when when it comes to just other opportunities that arise uh, getting to Adrian Martinez, sacking him, and not uh, and maybe trying for a fumble, but bringing him down so uh, to not extend plays. It's going to be critical for Wisconsin to not allow Nebraska to have hope this game, uh, as they are three and seven, one and six. But once again, they have not lost a game by more than double, you know, ten point, that more than nine points this season. Uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. So those are my three keys to the game. We're about 31 minutes in, so I'll, I'll let everyone go here. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys subscribe on our on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's where BadgerBlitz.com is. We have that YouTube page now. Make sure you subscribe. Click that like button. Click the subscribe button. So you get all, uh, so you get, you know, get notified about what is coming up next from Badger Blitz TV or what you want to call it, that our channel. We got post game interviews coming up this weekend, along with more insight and analysis and breakdowns with me, Benjamin Wargle. We'll have more recruiting spotlights this week. Uh, we uh, didn't get a chance to get to anyone this week, but we will hopefully. Also, look at us on Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. Twitter for me, it's at Jake Coco and at Badger underscore Blitz. Y'all have a great weekend ahead. Stay safe, stay warm, be well, enjoy the, we'll be back next week for more, a holiday edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Take care.